Ninja. Hi everyone. So today we are having a look at a book and the, the book in question is The Human Planet, How We Created the Anthropocene. And this was, um, <clears throat> this was published in 2018 by Simon Lewis, uh, who is a professor of global change science, and Mark Maslin, who's professor of earth system science, both at UCL, University College in London. And um, this this book is um, is a really interesting one for a geographer, because the the whole idea of the Anthropocene is based on the premise that humans are now so powerful that we are we are um, agents of geological change. We're leaving a geological imprint on the planet. So even if humanity was suddenly wiped out tomorrow, we would still leave our evidence in the geological layer. So this book um, is painstakingly takes apart the, the whole, or un- unpacks the whole idea of the Anthropocene and, and asks whether it is, is there enough evidence there for it to become a new uh, geological time period. Now, I know there's the old expression, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And this cover of this book is actually quite plain. And I'm, I'm looking at the, this is the, the UK paperback edition. Um, it's a Pelican book. And Pelican was originally founded in the 1930s. And the idea was to provide affordable nonfiction for a mass audience. So the Pelican books were relaunched in 2014. And they've got these really... Uh, it's quite. I think they're quite striking. They're they're like very light blue covers. You've got the little uh, sort of cartoon graphic image of a pelican on it, but they do stand out from other books. Although you know, it must be said the the covers are actually quite quite plain. But saying that, the book is is really beautifully set out and structured. I think it's it's pretty accessible. I mean, there is there's a lot of um, scientific. Uh, data and information in there, but it is, it's um, extremely well set out in the book. Um, I think you know one of the things that caught my attention, I am interested in the, the whole concept of the Anthropocene or the Anthropocene. I think maybe if you're, you're in North America, you might, might call it that. Um, uh, the, the front of the book on the cover, um, you've got a, a little graphic image of the Earth with a human, foot, uh, human fingerprint uh, over the top of it. And what I found reading this book, um, it's 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 set into eleven chapters altogether, and it takes you from uh, looking at the the different geological timescales and really the history, some of the history of how geological timescales were um, were were created or you know were um, analysed and. Um, acknowledged by um, scientists over the last few centuries, uh, but it takes you also into the development of some of the cultural and scientific um, intricacies of, of naming these different geological epochs, um, through to really discussing the evolution of Homo sapiens, um, th- through to what the authors actually call homo dominatus which is this sort of humans dominating the planet but um 
Another thing I liked about this book, each chapter begins with two really well-chosen quotes from influential thinkers in science or literature or economics. So you've got uh, quotes from people like uh, Karl Marx, you've got um, Charles Darwin, Lewis Mumford, Rachel Carson, William Blake, Goethe, Joseph Conrad, writing in the, the Heart of Darkness. One of these uh, in fact, Joseph Conrad's quote was uh, was very pertinent. It's, uh, the conquest of the earth is not a pretty thing when you look into it. So um, each chapter also contains uh, different graphs and figures and diagrams and tables. So there's pl- plenty of that in it. But I think every, every single page, uh, for me, there was an, a new bit of information, a new fact that um, really propels this argument for um, stating that we now live in a, in a totally a human-defined um, geological time. So really the first thing is, you know, what, what does Anthropocene mean? And the author, authors explain that it's um, a combination of, of different Greek words, um, Greek words for humans and recent time. So it's it's the idea, it describes when humans or Homo sapiens became a geological superpower, uh, setting the earth on a new path in its long development, um, so the authors say. So really the first chapter or so take you through the, um, the meaning of the Anthropocene. Ooh, that's quite interesting. And uh, just to give you a flavour of uh, some of the, the, the things in those opening uh, couple of chapters, um, it's the idea that human activities are now moving more rock, soil and sediment each year than all other natural processes combined. Um, the total amount of concrete ever produced could cover the entire earth with a layer approximately two millimetres deep and plastic microfibres have infiltrated almost all of the water that we drink. So, you know, some of these these human impacts um, not just found where humans live, a lot of them, you know, found in places that are, are, are really not inhabited um, by humans. So, for example, plastic microfibers, you know, being found in uh, deep um, oceans and so on. And um, the idea that there's a changing climate comes into the book a lot the fact that we're we're increasing the acidity of the oceans and also the fact that we've reduced the the amount estimated amount of trees on the planet um over the last 10,000 years so since the advent of um agriculture from approximately 6 trillion to 3 trillion trees so a change on that sort of scale uh has a a, a gigantic impact on natural global cycles such as the carbon cycle but in addition to that um, you've also got there's quite a lot of discussion about the the um, extinction of mega fauna in other words large animals uh, particularly mammals um, during um, you know the time that homo sapiens have been present on the planet so um, large mammal mass uh, only 3% of those uh, are in the wild, are wild animals. Um, humans are counted as, as large mammals. So the, the, 
uh, humans actually make up for about 30% of large mammal mass on the planet. Um, 67% of large mammal mass are domesticated animals, so things like pigs and cows and sheep and so on. And as I say, only 3% now are, are wild animals. So, you know, the idea that humans have just, have just changed the balance of nature. We've, we've made decisions um, on which species exist, you know, domesticated uh, farm animals and so on, and which species we've wiped out and made extinct. And um, increasingly, the evidence is showing that as soon as uh, humans moved or migrated into a new region, and this is really over the last 50,000 years or so, um, that we started to to hunt these uh large animals, megafauna defined as, as animals over 40 kilos in weight. Um, and this, this is shown everywhere. Um, so this is um, you know, a major impact of, of humans in prehistoric times. So the, the Anthropocene, you know, one of the big questions in the book is, well, when did it start? How do you define a start date for the Anthropocene? You know, could you say it was it was as soon as we started hunting, you know, as soon as we started having a, a sort of collective um, impact on things like the megafauna. Would you, could it be dated at the advent of agriculture approximately 10,000 years ago? Or, you know, do we need to bring it much more uh, into modern history or early modern history? You know, do we say it's, it's around the time that um, the um, Americas were... Uh, conquered by by Europeans in the um, in the sixteenth century, or you know, do we bring it forward even further to the start of the industrial revolution? So, one of the things there is quite a lot of discussion of in this book about the Anthropocene are timescales, geological timescales, and it's it is actually really hard to comprehend uh, a, a geological um, epoch because you know each of them. Is, is really marking an important change to the Earth and typically lasts for millions of years. So, <clears throat> you know, if we're talking about the Ice Age that, um, that ended around 12,000 years bef before present, um, that's just one of, of, you know, many Ice Ages that have happened over the last two million years. You know, it may be sort of 40 or 50 separate Ice Age um, events that is really difficult to get your head around you know putting human human beings into that geological time scale um, you know it, it really just almost disappears so it does make you think well what is going to be left you know when humans finally disappear and in 50 million years time if an alien um, paleontologist or archaeologist comes down to the planet to try and find some evidence of you know was there previously life here what would what would they find um so how to how to define you know how are geological timescales actually defined and there is quite a lot of discussion of this in the book um and it seems you know there's there's a chemical or biological marker within geological sediment that is called a, a golden spike. Um, and this really shows that, um, you know, after that point uh, in, in time, the Earth starts to move towards a new state. Geography Ninja. <laughs>
And, okay, so I'm sorry about that noise that was going on. There's some, some um, grass cutting things going on outside at the moment. I've got all the windows closed, but um, apologies about that. So I think, um, yeah, moving the earth to a new state. I mean, one of the things that comes through loud and clear in the book is that the authors believe that human influence on uh, natural vegetation and, and species and the climate have, have led us into what they call a, a super um, interglacial so uh, the the idea that we've that humans have have delayed the the next ice age the next um glacial um period so that in itself is is an interesting idea i think maybe the 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 chapter that, that dragged a little bit for me there, there was a chapter on um defining the anthropocene and and um fascinating in a way but trying to you know the arguments that geologists have um in trying to decide you know do we call it the anthropocene is it the holocene what what happens to the quaternary you know all of these you know there are decisions made and arguments to be had over uh how geological timescales are defined and i seriously didn't didn't um didn't know that previously but um, it it does bring up wider wider questions that the authors discuss. Like, well, how how do what's the process for for agreeing what a unit of measurement is? You know, what is the scientific convention and protocol for for deciding what a kilogram is or what a meter is, um, for that matter? So there's some of the the sort of historical background of how geologists think about these things. Possibly the most interesting chapters for me are the ones. Um, around the middle of the book, where they talk, they're, they're discussing the idea of how humans made uh, made the Anthropocene, and one of them in in particular deals with um, I think it's called Globalization One Point Zero, the modern world, and it deals with really the 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 main part of it is when when humans change from being an agricultural agriculturalist as a sort of mean um, sort of mode of production into mercantile capitalists and and the central point of that for me is what's called the Columbian exchange so this sort of collision really of Europe and the Americas uh f- after 1492 um and the idea that these continents uh, have been reconnected for the first time in around 200 million years and the authors actually title it a new pangea you know pangea was the supercontinent um, way way back, um, and how well you know eventually because Europe and uh, uh, the Americas have been separated, and now because of ships crossing the Atlantic, they've suddenly become um, connected again, and you know th- that's seen as one of the four major transitions in 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 uh, how humans have, have dominated um, the, the planet and created the Anthropocene. So the first one being the advent of agriculture 10,000 odd years ago. The second is the Columbian exchange. The third is the industrial revolution. And the fourth one, the most recent one following world war two, what they call the great acceleration. So this is really the, you know, the modern, uh, globalizing project, uh, that, that's, that's still unfolding. So, um, you know, alongside all, all of this idea, the Columbian exchange, the idea that, you know, suddenly plants and animal species are, are 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 being migrated either on purpose or by accident uh, to different parts of the planet. You know, suddenly you've got things like well, tomatoes 
and um, maize are being grown in places like Europe, uh, whereas they, they wouldn't have done before, or you've got wheat growing in the Americas. And I think for me, uh, one, one part of this book that I, I really did, uh, did get a lot from was discussion of about the what's called the Orbis spike in 1610 so and this is this is really about a century or so after Europeans started conquering the Americas um, it, it's really it was a, it's a, a major change in the the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and this change has been put down so it's a drop in carbon dioxide this change has been put down to the depopulation of North and South America in the century following the European uh, conquest, um, and it's it's one of the, one of these uh, one of these major changes. So um, and it's been really put down to to uh, declining population and the subsequent return to forest of many land areas that have previously been farmed for a long time. So the, the, the growth of forests absorbing more CO2 from the atmosphere, actually taking those CO2 levels down and heralding the start of what's being called the Little Ice Age. So general uh, minor cooling trend, um, a planet-wide cooling trend from the early 17th century through to, uh, I think, the early 19th century the little ice age so uh, and the, the the book describes this section i think this is probably for me it's my favorite section in, in the book so it says you know this time period the anthropocene could be seen to begin with widespread colonialism and slavery you know if, if you're setting the date the start date of the anthropocene around uh 1610 you know really i suppose the the early modern period um it coincides with the advent of colonialism and the slave trade. And it says it's the story of how people treat the environment and each other. Um, huge impact on the population. This, this is the bit that really got me, um, looking at all the different estimates of you know, how many, how many um, indigenous people lived in the Americas um, uh, at, at, in 1492 uh, with the arrival of, of Columbus and Europeans, and their their conclusions are even if they go for the for the for um, the, the the lower estimates, they're possibly looking we're possibly looking at something like ninety five or ninety percent uh, population decline in the century or so after fourteen ninety two, as huge numbers of indigenous Americans were wiped out by. Um, the arrival of diseases from Europe, firstly from, from Europe, but then secondly from Africa. So as um, slaves are brought over from Africa during the, the, the slavery and colonial period, diseases were spread. So things like smallpox, malaria, yellow fever, influenza, all of these diseases that the indigenous Americans had absolutely no... Um, immunity or, or tolerance to wiping out massive numbers of the population and they they estimate that that possibly the 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 population of the americas was was 50 million people lower 
um, by 1610 than, than it would, would have been in around 1492. That's equivalent at that time to about 10% of humans on Earth. So massive numbers. And if you, if you think, if you sort of extrapolate that sort of thinking, if today 10% of humans were wiped out, you'd be talking of something like, you know, 750 million people. Well, what impact would that have on how, how the, 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 the planet functions in, in terms of carbon cycle, CO2 levels, and so on. And generally speaking, this, this book has had pretty good reviews. I've just been having a look on Amazon. It's, it's, um, it's averaged around 4.5 uh, out of 5 in, in terms of uh, points. Um, my favourite online review was, was from the Wall Street Journal, and they, they say it's a relentless reckoning of how we as a species got ourselves into the mess we're in today, told with determination and in chiselled, almost literary prose, Indeed, the book's main story, how one species, Homo sapiens, fresh off the trees of Africa, came to rule the earth so completely that it now stands a good chance of wrecking it, has the force of a Greek tragedy. So I, could, I couldn't, can't put it any better than that, can I? Wall Street Journal, come on. Um, but it, it, gr- uh, great book, fantastically researched, full of, of uh, fascinating detail very well made argument um for the anthropocene and um i think you know if if you're studying geography environmental science um and and so on if you're you know if you're in in the uk if you're doing a levels or you're you know just pre college or or you know the undergraduate level first first year undergraduate perfect reading really um really fascinating book well worth a read and it really finishes off looking at climate change and the the existing threats that humans in the 21st century have to deal with um all of them pretty big but generally cautiously positive i say the authors are about our prospects at least in the short term i would say on a geological level um it's probably not very realistic to think that humanity is um, is going to last more than you know average species last. So what whatever that might mean in terms of a few hundred thousand years or or so, or you know, uh, in addition to what we've already had, if we're lucky. But um, yeah, definitely it gets a thumbs up from me. This one, uh, highly recommended. And it's interesting to look at this and think geographers are uh, they're definitely getting into studying the geography of crime. And this is really very much social geography. It's the, the crossover really between geography and sociology, uh, but mapping it out. So looking at uh, um, certain resources, um, University of Cambridge has been doing research, uh, the geography of crime and disorder, offences, offenders and victimisation. So looking not just at at homicides, but at a much wider uh, geographical approach to crime. In the UK, the Royal Geographical Society um, has has been producing some some teaching resources, um, which are which includes sort of GIS mapping of the geography of crime, and even the BBC 
um, has uh, website pages for um, students, high school students, looking at the geography of crime. So there's quite a lot of stuff out there for us uh, geographers to, to get into uh, on these issues. So the final point I wanted to make is that I, I've just returned to the UK after a, a family uh, holiday in Toronto, um, my favourite Canadian city. And I've been there many times over the last few years because I have family and friends um, there. And um, I've always enjoyed my visits and I've always thought of Toronto as an extremely safe city. Um, back in 2017, um, the Economist Intelligence Unit released a, a, a Safe Cities Index and that showed Toronto as the fourth safest out of 60 listed cities. So I thought, well, that's great. Definitely a good place to go to. Um, certainly for, for many, many years, seen as North America's safest, safest city. Um, I don't know where, where I got this from, but I, I seem to remember someone describing Toronto as it's like the Geneva of North America. So I thought that also sounds pretty good. And back in 2012, the homicide rate in Toronto was um, was around two per 100,000.